This podcast is sponsored by ebookit.com, self-publishing solutions for the independent author and small press. Visit us today at ebookit.com. Welcome to the Toastmasters podcast, the official podcast of Toastmasters International. Hello, everybody. This is Greg Gazin. And I'm Ryan Levesque. Ryan, a toast is simply a short speech, yet many fail to master the art. All you have to do is scroll through YouTube to witness the number of disasters, hashtag fails that occur from a simple raising of a glass. With toasting season right around the corner, we're fortunate to have someone who's literally a toast master, a master of the toast. Ryan, who are we speaking with today? Today's guest is Eddie Rice. Eddie is a professional speechwriter with over a decade of experience in helping business leaders, keynote speakers, TED Talk presenters, nonprofit organizations, and everyday people enhance the messages they tell through great storytelling and structure. Types of speeches that Eddie coaches and writes include keynotes, TED and TEDx talks, nonprofit advocacy speeches, and of course, ceremonial speeches like the toast which he covers in his award-winning and best-selling book toast short speeches big impact a fellow toastmaster eddie is a member of east side toastmasters number 6500 in shaker heights ohio eddie wrote an article in the june 2023 issue of the toastmaster magazine it's called it's your turn to toast get past your fear by learning to cheers Eddie Rice, welcome to the Toastmasters podcast. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. I love the effective use of the pause, Eddie. You're a toast master. (laughs) (laughs) I love that too. I noticed it as well. (laughs) Yes, a master of the toast. We'll just call you Eddie the Toast Coach. How's that? (laughs) I like that too. I might put that on the website. (laughs) Just to kick things off, how did you actually discover your passion for speech writing, especially the toast? The passion for speech writing really came through in high school and college. I was on the mock trial team, and it's very much like debate, but even nerdier, where you get to impersonate lawyers on both sides of a case and argue it in front of real judges and attorneys. That's when I learned how to speak on my feet, how to give a short speech, how to deliver a a speech with logic and persuasion and emotion. Uh, And from there, it blossomed where in college, I took this amazing course called Rhetoric in Antiquity and loved just the art and craft of writing a speech and persuading through the spoken word and the written word as well. And from there, it just built up after a, a, a career in teaching. I went out as a freelancer and started to write speeches for people, and it really worked well, and I found a niche that just blossomed. Wow. Now, of course, you decided to focus in on the toasts. And when we think of the toast, quite often we think of it as something to honor the person or to make some sort of personal connection to share with them or the attendees at, for example, a wedding. But it's really a lot more than that, isn't it? It is, but you hit on the core right there. You're honoring the person, you're honoring the event, and you are putting together great words that people are going to remember. And now in this age of YouTube, they're going to remember them forever. Oh, dear. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) You hate the hashtag fail, right? (laughs) Of course. Of course. There's way too many of them on YouTube, but there are some pretty good ones on there, too. That's actually where I started to learn how to put a toast together was just watching 
really great examples and the bad examples too, saying, what can I learn from this? How can I make it better for the people that I'm writing for? Eddie, your article opens with, I don't know if it's a good or a bad example. (laughs) We'll leave that to the audience to judge, but it's definitely a mic drop. Can you share the story of the groom giving a toast at the wedding that you open your article with? Of course. So I didn't get to witness this. This was uh, told to me by Steve Gamblin, the DJ at the wedding. And I actually found him through a source called Harrow, Help a Reporter Out. But he was able to relate this story to me. I don't know if I want to tell too much of it because I feel like it's better when you read it. But I'll just leave it there that it's very much a mic drop moment where I think the crowd and the DJ were all a little bit stunned after hearing this very short speech, which was about one line long. So obviously it's true because Ryan and I were discussing this ahead of time as we're wondering whether this was just an example you created for the purpose of the article or whether it was an actual true story. As far as I know, according to Steve, um, it is a true story that he witnessed. Uh, It is definitely a real thing that happened. Hmm. So again, without giving away too much, I I do just want to pick up on the thread Uh, inspired by this story at the start of the article. Sometimes people are called upon to give a toast when there is a strained relationship between the person giving the toast and the person who's being honored. What advice do you have on how to handle that type of a situation? There's a few ways that you can go when this happens. And it's happened to me a few times in the past, not for me giving a toast to anyone, but for the people that I've worked with and helping them come up with the right words. I think if you have the time, patch up that relationship ahead of time <laughs> if, if, if it's strained. I mean, yeah. just bury the hatchet, do whatever you can to make things right and not leave things uh, you know, un- unfixed. But at the same time, you can also just bow out of giving the speech You can easily just politely decline and say, look, I don't think I'm going to be the best person to give this. And you don't have to give it even though you've been asked. And then if both of those ideas don't work for you, uh, the best thing you can do is one, to keep it short and to find something that you can praise about the person to not speak about the strained relationship, but instead speak of the happier times and the moment that you're celebrating because you're, when you're giving that speech, it's not just between you and the person that's up there. You also have this larger audience that you have to give it to. So as a result, you want to be able to give something that is going to make the day better for people and not worse. Yeah, that makes sense. Because the last thing you want to do is put in a whole bunch of false praise. Because right off the bat, people who know both of you are going to think, well, this is just pure you know, nonsense, I guess. Something I really appreciate about you as a podcaster, Greg, is your microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Ryan. (laughs) I think we've known each other long enough that you're... Never mind. (laughs) Cheers to that. (laughs) Yeah, cheers to that. Exactly. I'm just thinking about the toast itself, and I've heard toasts that are basically three words long. They're 30 words long, and I've seen... I've listened to some that are even 30 minutes long. What is the right length for a toast, Eddie? So there's no particularly right length. It's kind of like a movie where you've got some movies that are really good at like an hour and 20 minutes. And then there are other movies that are really good at three and a half hours. There's only a few of those out there. 
Uh, but for most of the time with a toast, you want to go for about three to five minutes for what you want to say. That's just long enough to say one really great story and a few kind words about the person, but it's not too long that you're going to bore the audience. And you have to take into account, of course, that you have other people that are going to be speaking and other events that happen during the reception that you don't want to steal the limelight from everyone that's going to be there and participating in all of the events that are happening. Yeah, that's true. You can also adjust if there are only going to be two or three people giving toasts, it might be a little bit different than if there's a dozen. Exactly. Yeah, great. Eddie, there was something in your article that I, I almost disagreed with until I read it a little bit more closely. And it's about inside jokes. Right. I found that um, you say to keep them to a minimum. And at first, I think I read it as like, don't include inside jokes. But in my experience, I often enjoy hearing an inside joke that I'm not in on in a toast because it just makes my imagination go wild. And <laughs> it just makes you think, oh my gosh, there's got to be an amazing story behind whatever they're referring to, a really outrageous story. What could it be? But can you say a little bit more about inside jokes and how to find the right balance? Of course. And I think what I was going for at that, um, the idea here was you have this audience of a mixed group of people and you want to be able to include them as much as possible. What I caution against is when an entire toast is just a running list of inside jokes that only the person who's being toasted or honored is going to get and everyone else is left out in the cold and they can't laugh with them. Mm. What happens too often, if there are too many inside jokes, you shut out the entire audience. And that's what I don't want to happen. One or two that seem funny or at least can be funny without having to be explained, no problem at all. But if the audience isn't laughing, if they're not getting it, that's where you may run into trouble. Oh, interesting. So while we're on the topic of hashtag fails, Eddie, perhaps you can share with us what are some of the biggest hashtag fails or some of the biggest mistakes you've come across? Sure. One, practice and prepare ahead of time. You don't have to memorize your toast entirely, but if you've got it at least internalized, very similar to how you do a toast at do a speech at Toastmasters, where you know you've got most of it memorized and you just ad lib the rest of it. That's perfectly fine to do. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. You just don't want to give it for the first time on the actual day of, it, of the speech itself. Basically, one of the biggest mistakes is people obviously not being prepared, just trying to wing it. Oh, very much. And then second, cut down on the alcohol before the toast. Uh, you don't want to be the drunk person on stage, fumbling over your words, trying to... Uh, make everyone laugh or you get so scared that you're blackout drunk and you say something that you regret <laughs> later on. Uh, so I did some actual toast research where I actually randomly selected 273 wedding toasters, sent them some questions. And sure enough, um, over three-fourths of them had two drinks or fewer before they got on stage. And I was very surprised by that number. I thought it was going to be a lot lower. Uh, but many people do know how to control their alcohol before they speak and that is a big thing to do. Um, you know, maybe just don't even drink at all until after the toast is done, and you'll be in a much better position. Of course, Eddie, a lot of people I think are using the alcohol as a way to control the nerves of giving a toast in front of a large audience. You have in your article what I thought was a really powerful 
idea about using fear as a positive motivator. Could you speak to that for a moment? Sure. So what I talked about in the article was this idea that a lot of times we think of fear as something that's going to weaken us. It's going to paralyze us. It's going to keep us from doing our best. But if you reframe how you look at fear and see it as a positive motivator, what you're going to then see is that it's going to motivate you to practice more. It's going to motivate you to edit more. It's going to motivate you to just take care of the speech um, just as much as you know you were a first-time parent or you take care of a dog. Same idea. You have this fear that you don't want anything bad to happen to them. It's that same idea. You don't want anything bad to happen in your speech. So why not prepare, write, edit, rehearse, and do your best on that day? That's how you can use fear and reframe it as something negative rather than into something from something negative into something positive. Mm. I love that. Eddie, I think sometimes people also have nerves because they're concerned about how to do it right. Uh, in addition to being prepared, knowing should it go this way or that way. And Greg and I were actually having a bit of a debate yesterday, or maybe not a debate, but we were trying to figure out what is the proper etiquette in a toast for the end. So from the, I'll call it the raising of the glass, the saying cheers or whatever it is. And then who takes a sip? Does does the person giving the toast take a sip? Does the person being honored? Does everybody? Can you kind of clear up some of that etiquette of the end of the toast for us? Oh, man, you'd probably have to ask a wedding planner that question, um, <laughs> because I really don't know, to be honest, what the actual proper etiquette is when you actually have to drink from the glass. Um, I know it's you know bad luck to toast with water or an empty glass, but for some people, that's perfectly okay to do if you're not drinking at the reception. I, I think it's just whatever feels natural to you in that moment. Um, I went to three different weddings over this past year, and they all had different protocols, different etiquette, different ways that they were doing things. We're in this post-etiquette period at times where whatever goes or whatever the bride or the groom wants at the wedding is what ends up happening. Uh, we're just in this moment where, sure, there are certain things you should and should not do, but I think the rules are a lot looser than we may expect them to be or what they were maybe 50 years ago. I think this is an opportunity for a future episode because I was thinking, I was always told that when you toast, you toast with either water or wine, not anything else. And then one time I did an educational, I did a toast as an educational for Toastmasters. And at the end, I forgot to take a sip. And I was told, oh, the person who's giving a toast is not supposed to take a sip. And then I'm also reading where the opposite, where it's the person, the honoree is not supposed to take a sip. So I guess who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely talk to an etiquette professional or a wedding planner. I bet they have an answer for this and probably know the entire history behind it. I just take care of the words and let everything else just uh, you know, happen as it happens. Okay. And I think that's a good approach, Eddie, because after all, what do people really remember about the toast? They remember the message. They remember the story not about who's sipping or not sipping and when. <laughs> right, right. If that's what you're focused on, I think, you know, you need to maybe change your focus for the wedding <laughs> and uh, just, you know, relax and, and just listen for a great story. Well, if you were listening to our heated debate we had yesterday, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so Eddie, your article gives some great tips on preparing and delivering a toast. You use the acronym CHEERS. I'm just wondering if you can maybe perhaps share just a couple of them. And then, of course, people will have an opportunity to read the article. 
Of course. Cheers. It's just a quick acronym. Concise, honor, ego, engaging stories, relatable, and structure is what it stands for. And the idea here is that you want to tell stories that the audience can relate to. And at the same time, you want to make sure that your ego doesn't stand in the way of giving a great toast. Overall, you're there to honor the person and honor the event. If you can do all of those things within a toast, within those three to five minutes, you've got a winning speech. That to me is just the way I sum it up for people to understand a little bit more easily. And at the same time, uh, you know, it works just really well for the written word in an article. Um, so that's why I love the acronym so much too. Yeah, it's a great little acronym. And I know that your book goes even into more depth. What are some of the other topics that are covered in your book? So in the book, it's not just about wedding toasts. It's about any short speech that you have to give for an event. So it talks about retirement speeches, award speeches, or speeches that you might give at a nonprofit event. All of those ideas are covered. It's just really the art of the short speech. It's how do I brainstorm my ideas? Then once I've brainstormed them, what do I do with the actual content to get it down to three to five minutes? Then how do I actually turn that into a speech? How do I rehearse it? How do I memorize it or internalize it? And then, of course, there are sample speeches within the book that you can use for inspiration. I believe there are 10. And if you want more than that, uh, you can definitely email me and I'll be able to connect you with some other speeches as well. But the goal of the book was to give you an outline, to give you uh, practice methods, and then at the same time, give you examples that you can use to model your own speech after for structure and for humor and for all the touching moments that you want to put into it. Could you perhaps give us an example or two of a specific best practice based on some of those tips? I think uh, structure is probably the easiest thing to do. With any type of speech, especially for a toast, you want to introduce yourself and your relationship to the person that you are going to be toasting. I know there are people that disagree with me on this, but I think it's really important before you, when you go up there to say, hey, I'm this person's brother, I'm this person's sister, or I was their roommate in college. It gives context to the relationship. Then you want to talk about the significance of the event, what it means, and what it means in the life of the people you are toasting and in the lives of the people that are listening. Then you want to tell a great story about the honoree. At the end, if it's appropriate, give some advice about how that person's story can help us lead better lives or give lessons on how to approach their work, their marriage, their life, whatever the toast is going to be about. And then at the end, you simply say, raise your glass, end with a quote, then cheers right afterwards. And you follow that structure. You can move parts around if you need to. But if all those elements are in there, you've got a great toast. Super. I'm just thinking, um, as I listen to you speak, Eddie, that there's kind of a parallel between a toast and what we often see in world championship speeches at the World Championship of Public Speaking. I've heard people use the comment, you want to make them laugh, make them cry, and give them something to think about or something to chew on. Um, and as I think back to toasts that I've seen, there's there often is that mix of humor, some kind of a touching moment. And then, like you said, you know, maybe some words of of advice or of inspiration. 
Is there anything else to the formula that you can think of if that, if, in fact, is a valid formula? That's pretty close. And I think those commonalities work for your the championship speech mm-hmm. versus a toast. I think at the same time, though, with the championship speeches, there's a lot more of your own personal story in those yeah. versus with the toast. It might be part of your personal story, but you're sharing it with someone else that is on the stage that you're toasting. So it's maybe a little bit different there. But for the most part, you're right. An emotional moment, a comedic moment, some advice, and you've got a pretty good speech. And that could work for almost any speech that we give in our lives. Well, that's brilliant, Ryan. How'd you come up with that one? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Greg, you've interviewed Eddie in the past on your other podcast, Toastcaster. Oh, yes, absolutely. And in fact, I was Eddie was very gracious to speak with me last year, the day his book was being released. Oh, wow. Is, I was pretty amazed that he was available that day. It was episode, was it? I think it was episode 160. I recall, in fact, I listened to it the other day again, just so that I could remember what we talked about. But uh, in addition, folks who are listening, if you want to learn more, Eddie also talked about what makes a great toast, and he also elaborated on his seven-step process. I think it was a seven-step process on creating toasts, whether you're actually writing them for yourself or for others. And we also got to learn a little bit more about Eddie's journey and how Toastmasters came into play. And of course, we'll put that into the show notes. So, I remember that day quite well. I think I did three or four podcasts on that day when my book came out, and then probably about 50 others afterwards. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> no, I don't feel so good. No, I'm kidding. No, you, you should <laughs> no. be honored. It was it was really amazing to do it on the day of the book came out. I was doing a Reddit AMA on that day too. It was a very busy day. What's a Reddit AMA? It's called an Ask Me Anything. So you go on Reddit. It's this big chat group online. Uh, it's the best way to explain it. And there's all these different forums out there that you can subscribe to on every topic imaginable. I mean, it's just the rule of the internet. If you can imagine it, it's there. What they have is what's called an Ask Me Anything uh, subreddit. And you go on there, you explain who you are, and you basically take questions posted online for a given amount of time. Uh, Celebrities can do it, and then everyday people with interesting stories can do it. And they seem to accept mine, and it took off pretty well. We can add that to the show notes too. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's actually really cool. I was just wondering, Eddie, I was just thinking, Eddie, the Toastmaster, which came first, Toastmasters or the Toastmaster? I believe it was Toastmasters, the group that came first. Yeah, it was when I was in Austin and I was a teacher at the time. And obviously, you know, I was doing public speaking all day long as a teacher with a different audience and a different crowd. But I was looking for another outlet to do different types of public speaking. Found a really great group in Austin. Texas and just showed up one night for a meeting. It was about maybe, I would say, eight or 10 people. But I really liked the smaller clubs I found out uh, when I was trying to figure out which club I wanted to be a part of. I just knew that there'd be more speaking opportunities. It would be closer knit and just fell in love with this club and got my Confident Communicator Award in probably under a year, I want to say. I don't know. It happened very fast that I was able to get through my first 10 speeches um, incredibly well. And so I just you know, grew from there, tried a few contests out, did okay in some of them, did decently in others, and just had a great time. I was going to ask you how Toastmasters has helped you on this journey that you're now on. Yeah, it's really given me the framework to think about public speaking. 
everything that I do, everything that I write goes back to those first formative years with the Austin Club. Um, and I can't remember their name at the time. I apologize. It's been like about 10 years at this point. Uh, but at the same time, all those lessons that they taught me in terms of structure, repetition, telling a story, how to add humor, all of those ideas have just really stayed with me this entire time. And they really inform what it is that I do and say and speak. And I just am and grateful to the organization itself. Uh, I love Toastmasters and just recommend it to anyone out there. I think we all do. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're on their podcast. So most likely you're a member if you're listening. But even if you're not and you're thinking about joining, go to a meeting. You're not going to regret it and find the club that works for you, that resonates with you and go for it. And you're going to have a great time. So Eddie, now that you've parlayed these skills that you began to develop in Toastmasters into a career and you're working with clients, helping them write and prepare for toasts and other short speeches, can you share with us a little bit about what that process would be when a client hires you? What does it look like to work with Eddie Rice on writing and preparing your speech? It usually starts with an introductory call where I learn about the client, I learn about their background, I learn about the purpose of the speech, how long they want it to be, what they're looking for, and maybe even get out maybe the main point from them if they know it at the time. From there, I send over a survey of questions that is based on the type of speech they're going to give, and this helps them brainstorm all of their ideas. From there, I take those answers and I do a follow-up call with them. And that's where we talk through what they truly want to say in the speech. That brainstorming document, it helps tremendously by getting their ideas onto the page. And then we get to sift through and figure out which ones are going to work and which ones aren't going to work. And then from that call, I send over a first draft after typically a week or two. It just depends on how long the speech is going to be. And we edit the draft uh, with their feedback. And I, it's an iterative process from there where we go back and forth on the draft and feedback. And at the end of it, we have a speech. Usually it takes around three rounds of revision to get a speech, uh, but sometimes it takes more, sometimes it takes less. It just depends on the client and their particularities with the words that I wrote. So that's usually the typically the process for how it works beginning to end. Eddie, thank you so much for helping us prepare when it's our turn to toast. And folks, if you found this episode valuable, please share it with friends and family. You can find the Toastmasters podcast at toastmasterspodcast.com, toastmasters.org, Google, Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Ryan? We also want to remind our listeners to check out Eddie's article in the June 2023 issue of the Toastmaster magazine, it's your turn to toast. And Eddie, before we let you go, can you share with us what's the best way for listeners to learn more about you, to find you online, and to connect? So the best way to find out more about me is to go to ricespeechwriting.com. That's R-I-C-E followed by the word speechwriting.com. You can check out my website. It's got a link to my book, which you can also find on Amazon called Toast, Short Speeches, Big Impact by Eddie Rice. And I'm also can, can be found on LinkedIn as well. Just search for my name. I'll come right up. Eddie, E-D-D-I-E-R-I-C-E. Amazing. Eddie Rice, thank you again for coming on the show today. And cheers to you. Cheers to you, my friend. Cheers to you both. All right. That was fun. Mm -hmm.
Isn't it about time you publish that book you've been thinking about? We can help with that. At ebookit.com, we've been providing authors and small presses with ebook publishing services since 2010. Visit us today at ebookit.com and let us know how we can help you.